0: Friends, our New Testament reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for the past six weeks, we have been working our way through a series titled Surrounded by Joy. Some weeks the connection to joy was easy to see, other weeks a bit less so. More than anything, my intent has been to help us see joy through a variety of lenses. To remember that happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is persistent. Happiness is dependent upon outside circumstances, but joy is a chosen state of being. And so we talked about the joy of being known by God, maybe known better by God than you know yourself. We talked about the joy of being found no matter how lost you are or how you manage to get there. We talked about the joy that comes to us through friendship, about the difference that friendship can make both in our lives and in others. We talked about the joy that hope brings to our lives and how it never gives up, not even on the very hardest of days. Last week, we talked about the joy of community, about how it takes all of us, for any of us, to be our best selves. And today, we conclude by talking about joy and gratitude. The longer I have thought about it, the more convinced I have become that this story is the most important word the Bible has to offer us on the practice of gratitude. I think this for all sorts of reasons, but this is the first one. This is the only place in all of Scripture where someone thanks Jesus. I actually still find that a little bit incredible. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, the Resurrection and the Life, the Good Shepherd, the True Vine, the Lamb of God, the One who time and time again pulls us up into the light and toward life, The one who forgives us more often than we deserve and heals us of our every ailment. Only once does he ever hear the words, thank you. And it happens here in today's gospel. It's a curious story. Ten lepers all healed by Jesus. Nine of them obediently continue on their way, doing exactly as he told them to do. One of them, actually veering from the instructions, turns around, runs back, falls at Jesus' feet, and says, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, watching all of this happen, Jesus does some quick math and asks where the other nine might be. Why are you the only one who returned, he says. And then he says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Which sounds great. Except he's already been made well. That's what turned him around in the first place, noticing skin that is free of disease his gratitude is not what heals him. So, this story seems a bit confused until you poke around and remember that our English translations let us down from time to time. Now, in verse 15, when the leper realizes he is clean, the verb used there refers to a physical healing. It's a different verb in verse nineteen. The verb there is so, and it you know, to translate that as made well is to choose the weakest of all the options. That verb is almost always translated as saved, rescued, delivered, and it is always in a divine sense. Getting well from an illness. Is one thing. It is no small thing, but it is one thing. Becoming whole and being saved, that's another matter altogether. So, what is it about gratitude that can save us? It's got to be about more than just good manners, doesn't it? Don't get me wrong, I'm all for good manners, but our faith has to be about so much more than that. So here's what I know with certainty. When I am grateful, I am a more joyful person. Back when I was in high school... Back in the days when phones were still tethered to walls and watches did exactly two things, my watch told me what time it was. And if I pushed the right combination of buttons, it functioned as a stopwatch. So I didn't just know that I was a slow runner, I knew down to a tenth of a second just how slow of a runner I was. But during a run one day, I hit the wrong combination of buttons and discovered that my watch actually had a third function. It could chime every hour on the hour, which initially drove me crazy, because it would jostle me out of whatever I was doing at the time, and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off no matter how many of the buttons I pressed. So after a few days of frustration, I can't remember who suggested it or if I thought of it myself. I don't know where the idea came from. But I decided that I would say a silent, one-sentence, statement of gratitude every time my watch beeped. So every hour, a prayer of thanksgiving for whatever it was I happened to be doing at the time. Now, sometimes this was easy. Watching a movie with friends? Thank you, God, for these people. Sitting in class? Thank you, God, for this education. Other times were more challenging. Waiting at the end of a long line in the DMV? Thank you, God, for the chance to sit quietly for a long time. While sick with the flu, thank you, God, for bodies that fight back against illness. Fighting with my parents, thank you, God, they care enough to argue. It sounds a little silly, and make no mistake, there were more than a few times that I missed the chime. But more often than not, I said a quick silent prayer of thanksgiving 10 to 12 times a day, and I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. This practice changed me. It taught me that there is always, absolutely always, something to be grateful for. I learned this in a different way from my friend Zoe. At the time, Zoe was three years old, and I was spending Thanksgiving with her and her family. They are some of my closest friends. The day after Thanksgiving, the kids begged for us to put up the Christmas tree, and the adults, we realized for a very brief period of time, we outnumbered the children, so we decided that this was strategically wise. We wrestled the tree into the living room and then up into its stand. The kids bounced on a couch, maintaining a safe distance, but unable to contain their excitement. The lights went up and the kids yelled, Wow! And then it was time to decorate. My job was to attach the hooks to each ornament and then gently hand it to a child. Now be careful, I warned them, these are fragile and beautiful and we don't want to break them. I called Zoe over. I said, Zoe, this one is for you. And I put a sparkly silver ball in her hand. And Zoe, with lights shining behind her eyes, and her eyes opened wider than I have ever seen them before, she held it gently and she whispered, thank you. This is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And because they were three years old, that routine didn't get old, not once. Every ornament they took from my hands, the same words Thank you, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Thank you, this is the most beautiful one I have ever seen. And so I am somewhat, not entirely, but somewhat chagrined to tell you that about three-quarters of the way through the ornaments, I grabbed a wayward sock that was on the floor. It was striped with bright colors, but dirty on the bottom from covering little feet. I placed it on an ornament hook, and I handed it over. Thank you, Zoe said. This is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And she hung it on the tree. And her mother gave me a look. And then her mother laughed at her child. Zoe, she said, you just put your dirty sock on the tree. Are you even paying attention? And Zoe looked at her and said, but mama, look. Everything is beautiful today, even my sock. Zoe was paying attention. Better attention than the rest of us, as it turns out. And I wonder if that's not the truest secret to gratitude. That not only is it powerful enough to make you stop in your tracks, turn around, and throw yourself on the ground, it is powerful enough to change the way we see the world and everything in it. It unleashes in us an imagination that is nothing less than holy, the kind of imagination that hangs a sock on a tree and says it's beautiful, the kind of imagination that looks at a loaf of bread and a cup of wine and says it's an endless and joyful feast, the kind of imagination that looks at a beach full of fishermen and says, all right, this will do. The kind of imagination that looks at a cross and says, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. The kind of imagination that looks at a sealed tomb and says, life will burst forth. It unleashes in us an awareness of grace. And that is the transformative work of gratitude, I believe. Gratitude puts the reality of grace right in front of our eyes, and it becomes the lens through which we see everything and everyone else. On our best days, that can change how we move through the world. It can save us. But if you are still wondering if saying thank you can really make that much of a difference, I will admit that it sounds a bit naive, even to me. But there is now research that backs this up. Several studies indicate that regularly practicing gratitude has a positive impact on your physical health from the way you feel when you wake up to your cardiovascular system, Doctors at the University of Texas Health Science Center, they say a growing body of research shows that gratitude is amazing in its physical and psychosocial benefits. And Brene Brown, a renowned sociologist, she says, In my 12 years of research on 11,000 pieces of data, I did not interview one person who had described themselves as joyful who did not also actively practice gratitude. For me, she says, it was very counterintuitive because I went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was if you are joyful, you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. She said, instead, what I found was that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. In other words, she says, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. I believe this is true, both because my own experience and scripture itself tells me so, When we allow gratitude to shape our lives, we suddenly see the whole world shimmering with the presence of love. It happened once a day long ago on the road between Samaria and Galilee. And you are some of the ones who have taught me to trust that it can happen still today. Which is why I want to thank you now. Thank you for coming here week after week, because this thing that we do, this worship that we offer, it knits me back together. It makes another week possible. So thank you. Thank you for the ways you live your faith, listening to one another, working to get along with one another. You work to get along with me and Beverly and Rebecca and Andrew and Mary and Roger and all the rest of us. You stick with us even when a mistake is made. Being community is not always easy, but the daily effort of loving each other matters. So thank you. Thank you for asking good questions. Thank you for teaching me about faith and trust. Thank you for taking risks and trying new things in your paid work and in your daily routine at school and at home. You are filled with kindness and compassion, with a love of justice and a desire for mercy. That matters to the world, so thank you. I think that Jesus is right, saying thank you can save our lives. It seems too simple, I know. But the world comes alive, and we do too, when gratitude shapes us and directs our steps. It opens our eyes, and we see things that otherwise we would have missed. So friends, thank you for showing me that the kingdom of God is among us right now. Thank you. And thanks be to the one from whom all good gifts flow. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.